Alright, we are looking uh, in Galatians, the uh, sixth chapter, and we should be able to wrap this one up tonight, depending on how much I ramble on. But this is, <laughs> we've been making great time till we got to this last thing, and it's like I've been stuck here. Barely a word at a time, but uh, we left off chapter six. Verse 6, for those of you who are not familiar with what we do on Wednesday nights, what we do is we take a book of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse, keeping it in context and studying, taking a real good in-depth look at the scripture so uh, you get a chance to really understand the whole context of it. Uh, so it makes sense to you and, and, uh, and, and learn from it. So we are at uh, chapter 6, we left off at verse 6, actually we read it at the end of last week which was great because it was just before the offering. <laughs> And it says this, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Talking about how it's right and appropriate that if you come for spiritual blessing that you should help support that ministry financially so that they can continue to bless you. You get that, okay? Not terribly complicated. Uh, so then he goes on, verse 7, and he says this, do, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Um, the Bible warns us about being deceived, which is believing something that is false. Not only warns us about uh, believing things that are false, but it warns us against deceiving ourselves. A lot of times people will tell themselves just stupid stuff, uh, and, and it gets them in all kinds of trouble. And the Bible says, don't deceive yourself, don't be deceived, learn the truth. Don't. And, and why does it got to say that? Because we're very quick to try and deceive ourselves, or like, let others give us false information, because we want, there's some bizarre part of us, it's called the sinful nature, this bizarre part of us that wants to believe things that are not necessarily true at all. Why? Because it usually feeds our sinful nature and it makes things more comfortable for us. And, and uh, it's, it's easier sometimes to believe that which is false than to believe that which is true. Our, our whole culture is built around things. People like to believe things that are false. Uh, it's easy for them. And, uh, uh, and things that are true... Uh, are become very, very complicated for them. Um, you know, I think of you know, the whole idea of, uh, of evolution. And I know a lot of people that, that believe in evolution. Maybe some of you do. You know, but I just got to tell you, talk about trying to believe something that's complicated. You know, that, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, it's com- but they can believe that very easily. The fact that God actually made things happen. Uh, I, I don't see how that could be. But the fact that we could crawl out of a swamp somewhere... And, and turn into a worm and then climb up a tree and fall out like a monkey and end up in a business suit makes perfect sense to them. And I think, well, this, 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 this is very, very logical. Why? Because it took millions of years, millions of years, millions and millions and millions and millions. And then our brains go, well, I guess anything can happen in millions and millions and millions of years. You know, so we believe these, what I think are just really lunatic perceptions. Uh, that's easy to believe. Because it makes it easy. Why? Because then we don't have to really believe in God per se. And it's not really about God. And we kind of did this all ourselves. And, and we're just all, you know, Santa Claus just walked into the room back there. What, what was that? <laughs> Come on, show them the hat. They're going to think I'm nuts now. Hold it up. It looks like Santa. There you go. See, now that's... <laughs> I have the attention span of a fly. So if you walk in like that, you're going to stop me dead in my tracks. All right. So anyway, um, that's just one example and whatever. So so anyway, he warns us, don't be deceived. Don't believe things that are just convenient. Believe the truth. 
Okay? God cannot be mocked. This is serious stuff. And he basically builds up to this one thing that he's telling you, don't make a mistake on. This one truth. Don't blow this one truth. Are you ready? He's about to give you this one thing. Don't blow this one. And here's the truth. A man reaps what he sows. Now, you would think that's a pretty simple truth. But I've got to tell you today, as I deal with people, they don't get this. This is totally bizarre to them. The fact that your life is the result of what you have done is completely foreign to them. It is completely bizarre. They will come and say, why does my life stink? Well, it's because of what you've done. I I don't understand. It's because of of the choices you've made. I I don't understand. They they don't get it. I mean, it's like dealing with couples, you know. Uh, uh, You get a a couple together and their marriage just stinks and it's rotten and it's horrible and they're they're falling apart and stuff. And and you ask them, they want to know what's wrong, Pastor. Why is this happening? They say, well, do do you spend any time with each other? Well, no. Do you ever go on dates with each other? Well, Well, we did once back in 83. I kid you not, the stuff I hear, you wouldn't believe. They spend no time with each other. They barely see each other. They're passing like ships in the night. And and there's no interaction. And then they ask with complete honesty of heart, why does our life stink? And they see no connection between what they do and what they get. I see this over and over. If, If you want a good result in life, you're going to have to do the right things. But there's such a disconnect today. And he goes on to this. Um, because remember, uh, early on in, in, in chapter 5, he was talking about, you know, don't live by the, the sinful nature. You'll be a mess if you do. Live by the Spirit. And, and, and we talked about the difference between the, the sinful nature and the fruits of the Spirit and stuff like that. And he basically repeats himself here. He says, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, forget all the stuff. Just look at the ends of each one. One ends in destruction. The other ends in life. And there's people that their life is filled with destruction. And they have no idea why. And they will see others whose lives are blessed with life. And they have no idea why. And and they think it's just not fair. It's not fair. They will see someone whose life is blessed and successful and, and everything works together. And, and well, well, you're really lucky. You're really lucky. You're really lucky you got that job and making all that money. You know, I, I know you went to college for 12 years and you're a doctor now and a surgeon. And stuff, but that's really lucky. No, no, it's not luck. They did it on purpose. They did it on purpose. They get what they're because of what they do on purpose. And to people today, don't get it. This whole idea of reaping what you sow uh, is, is a complete mystery to them. They they would you know it would be like a guy who uh, you know, like like a, a, I've used these analogies before. You know, like a guy walking by a, a farmer's field and it's got all kinds of corn, a field full of corn, and and his field is just full of weeds, and and he's crying. And, and he doesn't think it's fair that his, 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 there's nothing happening in his field. And, and he says, well, why is that other guy got all the corn? Be, because he planted corn. <laughs> well, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. I didn't have time to plant corn. Shouldn't matter. I prayed about it. 
I asked God to bless my field. And look, God didn't bless my field. Why didn't God? Why didn't he bless us? He didn't. This guy's a heathen. And I'm a believer. God didn't. How come there's no corn? Because they didn't plant any. That's why. Don't be deceived. If I would have written it, I'd said, don't be a moron. You get what you put in. It's just that simple. If you will sow and feed your sinful nature, you will from that nature reap destruction. So one must ask, if my life is filled with destruction, do the math. Back it up. That's back up. That's the tape going backwards. <laughs> I lost a lot of you right there. What is he doing? Speaking in tongues? No, I was just, that, was, that was the tape backing up. If you're the destruction, you're, you're sowing to your, your sinful nature. You're doing just what your sinful nature wants to do, what your selfish nature wants to do. It's all about me, 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 me. I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what the Bible says. And then you end up in destruction. There's a reason you're there, is all I'm trying to say. And, and instead of just, see, a lot of people, they, they want different results, but they don't want to do anything differently. They really don't. They don't want to change the way they live their lives. They don't want to change the way they approach their relationships. They don't want to do anything differently. They think what they're doing is fine. It's just the result is an aberration. Is this making any sense? That they look at the, there's something wrong. They do not look at, I'm an idiot. I'm doing the wrong things. That doesn't even pass their mind. All they see is bad result. And they just stare and why am I getting bad result? And when you start shining the light on what they do, they go, that should have nothing to do with it. Yes, it has everything to do with it. Don't be deceived. You can't mess with God on this stuff, he says. You reap what you sow. It's just that simple. Um, uh, you know, the, the problem... <laughs> uh, what are some better analogies? Uh, yeah, I tell you what, back up to uh, the Gospel of John. Hang a left. Gospel of John, 15th chapter. Remember we were talking about the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. And, and uh, how the fruits of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, you know, wonderful things. The flesh, you know, sexual sins, arguing, bitterness, jealousy, all these kind of things. Two different, different worlds. Um, these things happen intentionally. If you're planted, you, you, you can't. What am I trying to say? even when I say intentionally, it's not like you can manufacture love, joy, peace and stuff like that. The intentionality comes as a result of what you're planted in. Does that make any sense? Okay? If, if you're going to be plant, planted in good soil, you can grow as a plant. If you're planted in, in rocks, you can't grow as a plant. Jesus used the analogy here, he says in, in chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Even, even the good ones, he's still snipping away at. You ever feel like God's kind of pruning you? It hurts. Owie, owie, owie. Don't take that away. Don't take that away. Owie, owie, owie. You know why? He's trying to do that. Why? So that you'll be even more fruitful. Uh, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He says, remain in me, Jesus says, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. 
If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You cut off the, the, the vine, it doesn't happen. If, if you're looking at your life and say, how, how come I'm not having the blessings? How come I don't have the fruits of the Spirit in my life? How come I don't have love, joy, and self? You got to think, you know, have you disconnected from the vine? There's a reason, the reaping of the soul. You got to back up. And the thing with the fruit is you can't just manufacture it on your own. The fruit of the Spirit comes naturally when you're plugged into Jesus. We need to be connected with Christ. You need to let Christ live inside of you and you need to intentionally live inside of him. Let his word be alive inside of you. If you do that, you will bear fruit. He says, apart from me, you can't do anything. You're just a a twig. A twig. A lot of people are just twigs. A lot of them are twits, but they're twigs too. (laughs) he says if anyone does not remain in me he's like a branch that is thrown away and it withers you ever feel like you're withering such branches are are picked up and thrown into the fire and burn if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you wow wow if you remain in me, Jesus says, and my words, my teachings, my commandments will remain in you. You can ask anything you want and it will be given to you. Wow. Serious incentive here. Serious incentive to connect with Jesus so that you have life, that your prayers will be answered. You know, as I was studying this, uh, you know, I wanted to be real brilliant and think of uh, ways to uh, expound upon this. And, and I want to say, why, why is it that if we remain in Christ that we can ask anything we want and we'll get it? And I'm not really sure. I mean, I can take some guesses at it, you know. But there's some things, who cares? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm a pilot. Uh, our our uh, Laugh Your Way ministry, which is a separate ministry from the church, uh, that we, we, we uh, speak in these couples' lives and do these seminars and stuff, we finally got our own plane. Thank God, the personal, or the uh, airlines were driving me insane taking forever to get from point A to point B. But uh, it's not the biggest plane. It's only got six seats in and stuff like that. And it's not real big. You can't even stand up and walk around. But uh, it's, it does get me from point A to point B. And it, it, uh, it's a single-engine airplane, but it's a nice engine. It's, it's a jet-powered engine. It's a jet prop, which is kind of in between a jet and a prop. Okay? I mean, the regular prop engines, you know, basically like car engines that, you know, cylinders and things and sparks and stuff like that. And then there's the jet engine. And so anyway, when we were getting trained in flying this airplane, I had to go down and get trained. And, and they did a whole day on how that engine worked and why it worked. Gotta tell you, I have no idea what they said. <laughs> it made no sense to me. I think, why are they telling me this? I mean, I'm not going to fix it. You know what I'm saying? I would never fly an airplane that I fixed. (laughs) Ain't no way, Jack. All I got out of that whole thing, jet engine, it sucks, it burns, it blows. It sucks, it burns, it blows. That's all I got out of it. It sucks air in. It compresses it. It sparks it with fluid. And it burns, and it blows up. And in the process, it makes the thing go, ram. All right? Now, that's all I know. I mean, to start the thing, uh, it's real easy to start it. You, you push the button that says, start. Okay? And then all the things, 
And once it's stabilized, then you give it the gas. <laughs> and then it burns. <laughs> and it takes off. That's all I know. And to stop it, you just quit giving it the gas. And it stops. Which you don't do until you're on the ground. But, uh, yeah, that part's right. Okay, so, you know, I don't know why. It, I just know it works. And it works great. It'll pull me up to 28,000 feet, 300 miles an hour. Which just beats driving. Big time. Okay? And it works famously, and it's great, and, and I have no idea. I just know it works. Why is it that when we abide in Christ, we can ask for anything we want? It's not that you're earning it. Surely that's not it, because we don't earn grace. Is it because uh, when we're walking closer to Christ, um, by, na- by, by, by a, a natural birthing of fruit in our lives, we ask things that God wants us to be asking? I don't, all I know is it works. Who cares? It sucks, it burns, it blows. Alright? So, when I am walking closest to God in my life, and I am abiding in Him, and His Word is abiding in me, and I, and I love... See, one of the things I love about the Wednesday night Bible studies is it makes me study the Bible. It's great. Otherwise, I get up here and I don't know what I'm talking about. So, I, I actually study ahead of time, believe it or not. And, uh, and I love it. And the more I do, just the more empowered I feel. And it seems like the more successful in my prayer life I am. I, and I don't know why. I just know it sucks, it burns, it blows. So, my encouragement to you is, man, let, let get, get close to Christ. Abide in Him. Let His words abide in you. It will empower you. You will give fruit coming in your life. And again, you can't control. The fruit comes naturally. If you're plugged in, you will have fruit, is what he's saying. If you're not having fruit, it's because you've gotten disconnected. It's really that simple. You can't force it. You can't force it. You can't. It should just come naturally. It's like your heart beating. You, you didn't have to get up this morning and go. Okay, it's going. Okay, I, I got I to concentrate all day long to keep it going. Keep it going. And then you sit down and people come up to you and you go. Shh, 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 quiet, I'm trying to listen. What would you listen to? My heart. I got to make sure in case it stops, I can be, well, what a drag that would be, right? It just happens. If you're healthy at all, your heart's still beating. Most of you here, your heart is still beating. (laughs) Some of you died about 20 minutes ago, but that's okay. You don't have to think about it. It just happens. It's natural. What I'm trying to say is a lot of the success, spiritual success that we want in our lives isn't so much a result of calculated making these things happen as it is a result of the fruit of the Spirit being connected to Jesus and things start changing. Things start happening. You start, you're able to not, to live now just not naturally, but you start living supernaturally. You're able to do things you weren't able to do. You're aware of things you were never aware of before. You are suddenly, your, your heart and your mind is filled with wisdom that before was never. I mean, it starts changing things. Your prayers, that before it was, it was like you prayed, nothing would happen. Now, all of a sudden you pray and you should answer the prayer and God is moving in your life. This is cool. And it's all a result of making sure that we're connected with him. And, and, and quite frankly, if, if you need to just, ex- the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. Once in a while, we just need to stop and look at Marquis. You know, Marquis needs to, you don't look at Marquis, you look at somebody, you look at yourself. But you look and you say, What's happening in my life? Am I being blessed? Am I having fruit? Am, am I producing? And if the answer is no, then I've, I've gotten disconnected somehow. And the answer isn't for me to force things to happen on my strength. 
the answer is to connect to Christ, to abide in him, to let him abide in me. This changes everything, okay? So, back over to Galatians. Sixth chapter. Now we're at verse, verse 9. And he gives, he gives us this encouragement. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If, everybody say if. If we do not give up. Okay. Why would he say that? Because it's very easy for us to give up. And, and uh, because a lot of times the answers don't come as quick as a lot of people expect. You know. Oh, pastor, I've, I've been doing the right thing. It's not working. I've been doing it for a whole week. <laughs> it might take a little more time. You know, you encourage people, you know, do the right things. And, and you'll hear people say, well, it doesn't work. You know, say, be, you know, in the relationships, be it your marriage relationship, or your relationship with your children, or relationship with your coworkers, or whatever your deal is, everybody hates me, nobody likes me, nothing's getting along, nothing's, you know, I can't stand my spouse, whatever the thing is. And I'll say, look, just do the right things. Walk in love. Well, I try that, it doesn't work. No, it works. The Bible says love never fails. You're telling me it fails. Let's see. You, the Bible. You, the Bible. Who do I believe? The Bible. Don't tell me it doesn't work. It works. You're just not giving it the right time. Or you're not really walking in love. Is probably what's really happening. You think, well, I, I thought it was. Well, look at the results. Look at the results. You reap what you sow. If you're not getting the results, it's not a result problem. It's a connection problem. And doing the right thing problem. So you can start getting the results that you want in your life. So, let us not become weary in doing good. Don't get tired. Don't give up. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, before I move off for this one, I do want to swing to the other side of that. Because it says, at the proper time. And at some point, you really do reap a harvest. And the reason I got to say that is because I know some people, uh, I've known them throughout my life, and I've actually done this in my own life, where I, I, am, I am a very stubborn guy. And I, I, I will beat a horse to death. I don't get discouraged easy. I don't. It's, it's almost a problem the other way. A lot of people get discouraged. I don't. I just keep doing. The horse is dead, and the bones are, are showing through the skin, and I still don't get it. Okay, because I'm just so, we can do it, we can do it. And I mean, at some point, if the horse is dying, you might want to get off. Does that make any sense? I just said totally different things to you. The one that don't give up too soon, but the other hand, don't be a moron. Okay, I know people who get in a certain situation and they will stick with it and stick with it and stick with it and stick with it and stick with it. I mean, a decade, two decades will click by in their lives and the, the, the answer never comes. And it's like, you know, maybe it's time to get a clue. Move on. Move on. For example, I, I knew this one guy, great guy. He felt called to the ministry. God has called me to the As long as I knew him, God was called me to the ministry. And, and uh, the first church he was at fired him. And the second church fired him. And the third church fired him. And the fourth church fired him. And now this is like, you know, 15 years have gone by. And now he says, you know, I'm just waiting for another opportunity. Because I know God has called me to the ministry. I said, you know, maybe he hasn't. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm all for riding the horse. But at some point, I don't think this is for you. Okay? Every place you've gone, they fired your butt. Okay? No church in the world wants to hire you. 
but yet you're waiting to get a job as a pastor. Maybe not. You know, so there is a proper time. Okay? Um, love doesn't fail, all this kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, some parts of your life, you know, golly, move on. I know in my life, I was doing a lot of things that wasn't being very successful. I actually started out in ministry uh, very young. Uh, came right out of high school into full-time ministry, actually. And then got licensed as a pastor in my early 20s and working with churches. And, and uh, nothing seemed to work for me. So I, I quit. I left the ministry because... It was everything I did failed, and uh, and I went into business and just kind of struggled and struggled and struggled for about twenty years, and then uh, all of a sudden came back into ministry, and uh, uh, but everything changed, and and uh, the way I could really tell the difference was, you know, all of a sudden I started going into certain areas of ministry, and all of a sudden success would start happening, the fruit would be there. Is this making any sense? I mean, I was doing this, nothing would happen, nothing would happen, nothing, would happen, and I did this, and all of a sudden all this fruit would happen. You know, one of the reasons that I uh, work with couples, people say, you know, did, I'm so glad God spoke you to work with couples. He didn't. He said, why do you do it? It just seemed to work for me. I, I don't know why. It was just the fruit was there. I would work with couples and I get this huge response. And I said, okay, but what I want to do is this. Nothing, 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 nothing. And I work with couples and huge response. And I went, nothing, 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 nothing. And I'm pretty sure, you know, I think I should do this. Because at some point, you know what I'm saying? You got to follow the fruit that's in your life. Uh, and while love doesn't fail and all these things are true about doing the right thing, you always got to keep doing the right thing no matter how long it takes. Don't be so stubborn and uh, trying to do something that is pretty obvious at some point, maybe that's not God's direction for your life. I'm not trying to discourage you, you know. Anybody who succeeds has moments of hell. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you're struggling stuff and, and you say, well, how do you know the difference? You know, the Bible says there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. That's, that's why you go get advice from people. It's time to call the church. It's time to sit down with people. Just because it's, everything's not black and white in areas of your life. And some of this is kind of, and you're, you're kind of, if you feel like you're in the gray and you're not sure what to do, call some people. Get some advice. Get some wisdom. Uh, at, look for practical wisdom and, and get the answers that you need. So, on the one hand, God's word is always true. Keep doing the right thing. You will succeed. But if you're sticking with an area in your life that you think is God's will, but there's no proof, no demonstration, no anything that God is with you in that area, you probably need to have a conversation with some people and, and reevaluate really where you're at. Uh, there's no sense in wasting your whole life trying to make something happen that never happens. And, and boy, I just, I've known so many people like that. You know, they get, they're so determined. They, they know, they, they want God to do something in, in a particular area of ministry, but there's no evidence at all. If there's no evidence of all, if there's no fruit at all in an area of your life, and you've been at it for a long time, you really need to think about reevaluating and getting into, into an area of life that God can bless you with. All right? Uh, verse 10. And, and he's, he's wrapping this all up now with just short little encouragements and stuff, kind of away from the original theme of the book which he's about to get back to in a minute but so he's given us these little nuggets of wisdom you know blah 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 and then in verse 10 another nugget of wisdom he says therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers my question is are you looking for the opportunities are you looking for the opportunities to do good because when we're aware of the opportunities. It's amazing how God will open up doors if you're looking and you're praying. Say, God, use me. Help me make a difference. A lot of times, and, and this, I have to say, in all honesty, in my life, the majority of time, I'm just kind of caught up in my life. 
can you handle that sin from your pastor? I mean, we, we just, you know, not nearly as spiritual as we think we are. And, and, and we just get so caught up in our lives. Sometimes we, we kind of miss opportunities just to be nice to people. Just to be good. Just to bless people. It says do that to all people. Especially to those who are believers. We should really be motivated to be kind and, and merciful. A lot of times we don't because we're just, if anything, if you get so caught up and not looking for opportunities, when opportunities come, we just find them as irritations. And someone will come along and you have an opportunity to, uh, to bless them, but instead you're beeping your horn at them and waving one of your fingers at them. I don't know which one, but you know what I'm saying. You get really mad at them. And instead of looking at a way of being kind to people, we get very impatient. And we're not looking for, but if you look for opportunities, it's amazing what God will do. Some of my most fun, blessed times in life is when I just looked for opportunities. I remember one time I was stuck in an airport in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, uh, uh, and most of the time I'm caught up in my own little world, which is a very small world. But uh, uh, in this case, I'm just, I'm just sitting there and I'm just watching people go around. And, and you, your heart goes out to people. You think, man, I, I would just love to share Christ with these people. You know what I'm saying? And, and you say, I would love to. Now, you could just be a wacko and just start preaching in the middle of the mall, which I don't advise. Okay, they'll throw you out. Or, or you can say, God, give me opportunities. Let me find Here's an opportunity. Where can I do something good? And I, I remember praying and said, Lord, I, I would love to talk to somebody about Jesus. Lord, I just pray. I don't know how to do it, but I would just love. I'm standing next to a phone. Phone booth thing. And I was like, Lord, I pray you'd let me talk to somebody about Jesus. And the phone rang. <laughs> That's a little creepy. And, I, and it kept ringing. And I thought, no way. And, and I picked up the phone and I said, uh, hello? And somebody says, hi, is Ralph there? And I look around, I says, no, I don't see Ralph. I said, I said I'm here. She says, who are you? I said, I'm Mark. Uh, what you doing? I said, well, I don't know, I'm just hanging out here. I said, I'd love to talk with you. She said, about what? I said, I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. She said, really? And, and, and I said, would you like to listen? She said, I'd love to. And I started talking to her about how she could have a, a, a relationship with Christ, know that her sins were for, forgiven and stuff. I said, have you ever prayed to ask Christ into your life? She says, no, I haven't. I said, would you like to? She said, yes, I would. And I thought, okay, then let's pray. And then we prayed together, and she asked Jesus into her heart, and, and okay, goodbye. And I hung up. That was cool. That, that was cool. That was... But why was it? Because I was just aware of an opportunity. You look for opportunities and and you become aware and you will see. God will show you ways that you can bless other people. You can speak words of life to them. You can do something nice for them. Something kind for them. All kinds of opportunities pass us by. You know, uh, in Hebrews, uh, whoever wrote Hebrews, most people think it was Paul. I I think it was Paul, but it's it's not definitive. But whoever wrote it, uh, wrote wrote, wrote these words. He says, uh, always be nice to strangers. Why? Because some people have entertained strangers, angels unaware. Now those angels actually walk around amongst us, apparently. I don't know what they look like. Probably look like me. But, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, you should actually be nice. And that because it says that people actually have, have, you know, those people that walk by you that you don't know. Who are these people? Are there nobodies? Are they... Just nitwits. I wonder how many of us have yelled at an angel. Your buddy, get out of the way! Move your cart for crying out loud! Beeped at an angel and waved at him. <laughs> or, you know, you gotta wonder sometimes. 
Look for opportunities. Always look for opportunities to bless people. And if you haven't, say, you know, I haven't done anything really like that for a while. And, and say, well, I'm just waiting for God to tell me. No, 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 no. doesn't say wait for God to tell you. It says just do it. Do it. Say, well, I, I haven't really thought about it because you're not looking for the opportunity. I promise you, you start walking around, even on the running of the pagans on Friday, and, 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 and say, Lord, use me today to bless people. To be kind. It doesn't always mean you have to preach at people. It's just being nice to somebody, encouraging somebody, you know. Um, looking and saying, God, give me opportunity. And if you just kind of be aware, watch what God will do. It's neat. God will start giving you opportunity. Look for the opportunities to, to let the love of Christ um, splash out on other people in, in the in the swimming pool of life man we ought to be those obnoxious kids that are always splashing on people you just love kindness splash 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 every time people get around christians we ought to just splash love and kindness and and patience on them anyway hallelujah sometimes you know i've, I've been really nice to people and didn't preach to them at all just because i had the opportunity and then they'll ask me why, why are you being so nice to me why, why are you being nice to me and then you have an opportunity, another opportunity to share the love of Christ. Well, I'm being nice to you because I'm a Christian and, and God has blessed my life and, and I want to bless yours. And you, you get an opportunity to speak into people's lives. It's very, very cool. I just think the problem is a lot of times we just, we miss lots of opportunities because we're just not looking for those opportunities. Okay. But notice, let us do good to all people for those opportunities, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. More than anything, you should be kind to people of faith. People that you know. People in the church with you. Um, Christians, uh, historically, are really nice to people they don't know. And pretty mean to the ones they do. <laughs> you know, Don't be that way. You know, The ones you know, especially those of the household of faith. You should be especially kind to them. Uh, it's actually harder to be pe- kind to the people you're closest to. If you're married, the hardest person to be kind to will be your husband or your wife. It really can be. Why? Because we know each other and we get on each other's nerves. You know, the, the further away people get from you, the easier it is to love them. People tell me all the time as I travel around the country, Oh, I just love you, Pastor Mark. I say, well, it's because you don't know me. From a distance, I'm the most lovable guy you will ever know. You get real close to me, I'm not so lovable. Just ask my staff. Um, no, it's just a reality. The closer you get, you really get to know people. Then that's where real love kicks in. Especially to those, to the household of believers. Okay, so now, wrapping this thing up. He says, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. He's getting back into the groove here of the purpose. Now, I have heard so many theologians talk about this verse. And some say, well, they believe that Paul had a, uh, a vision problem. Uh, and that's why he wrote with large letters uh, and I just think ah, no he's mad he's mad remember the whole context of the thing he is furious with these people and he's yelling at them and insulting them in some of the most gloriously insulting ways you could ever imagine and he says finally he says you see what large letters I use as I write with my own hand he's communicating passion he is passionate with these people he loves them and he's fighting hard against influences that will destroy them and in particularly in this book of the bible what he's writing this letter is what he's writing against those who are trying to get the new people of faith who are believing in jesus to start living by all these old testament regulations and rules 
And he says, don't do it. Don't go back to this stuff. We, while you can learn from these things and I can preach from these things and there's wonderful things to learn in the Old Testament, we do not live by the, the Levitical laws of the Old Testament concerning what to eat, what you can't eat, when to worship, when you can't worship, what penalties to mete out on people. You know, and those were pretty nasty back then. A lot of them ended in death. And it wasn't just the real wicked ones. You know, I mean, if you so much as disobeyed your parents, the rule was kill the guy. That high motivator to do your homework. You know. I mean they were really, 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 really strict in the Old Testament. Now, people say, well why was that? Well, you know, God really brought the law to to, to try and set apart a group of people that would start living righteously so that the Christ could come into the earth. You have to remember, in the, you know, thousands of years ago, people were barbarians. You think we're barbaric today. This is nothing. These people were unbelievable. It got so bad at one point, God said, this is such a mess, we can't fix it. And he found Noah and his family and just wiped out the whole lot. He said, we got to start over again. This is so, and because they were so violent and so wicked, they, they were barbaric like you cannot believe. Um, I was in a, uh, I was in a Germany, uh, in Germany a couple of years ago, and uh, I remember going through this uh, museum of tortures. <laughs> From the medieval ages, you ever see these things? Oh my goodness, were these people brutal? They found all sorts of wonderfully delightful ways to bring pain on people. And this was just a few hundred years ago. Can you imagine what people thought and what they practiced and what they did thousands of years ago in the most brutal of things? And God looked at so much violence and it was so out of control. He said, we have got to start over. Wow. So he starts over and it's the whole thing again starts spiraling out because of the sin that was so rampant in the, in the hearts of men. And then he comes along and says, okay, he got his people. He's got the Jews that he made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses comes along and he says, okay, these are the rules. And they were really strict rules. And what it did is it changed a culture of a nation. And actually it started affecting the cultures of, of the nations around them. And uh, uh, it started changing things to where 2,000 years ago, then Jesus could come into a world that could then, at least, it was hospitable enough for him to come. That's why these rules were so strict and so uh, oppressive and stuff. And for some reason, these people, uh, you know, were tempted to go back and start living by these rules and regulations. And he says, don't do that. So he was so passionate. He says, look how large of letters I'm writing with my own hand. He says, those who want to make a good impression outwardly, these guys who want to be religious outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised, which is uh, talking about not just the physical act of circumcision, but that it was part of that. But the whole idea was so that you would start living like Jews and, um, and living in the Old Testament thing. He says the only reason they do this is to, be av- to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. You know, as long as they fitted into a, a comfortable, accepted religion, then they weren't going to be persecuted. Christians, the, the early Christians in particular, were brutally persecuted because people did not understand what they were talking about. Um, you know, the, the early Christians, they, they thought they were cannibals. Do you know why? Anybody know why? Because of communion. They would hear about the, the, the body and the blood of Christ. They would overhear this and say, oh, good Lord, they're eating people over there. 
And, and they really thought that we were like, Christians were like insane people. And, 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 and they were cannibals. And anything that evil happened, they would blame it on the Christians. If a famine would come, it was because of the Christians. If a fire burned on Rome, it was because of the Christians. I mean, and, and they persecuted these people horribly because they were so misunderstood and so, uh, so looked down upon. Uh, it was safer to be Jewish at the time. They, you know, while may, may not have been crazy about them, they weren't having these massive persecutions on them, and, and particularly at this time. So he says these people, they figure if you can act and look and sound more like them, it's safer for you. And what they really want to do is they want to avoid the uh, uh, persecution of the cross. But then he goes on, he says, you know what's so ridiculous about this, verse 13. He says, not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Nobody, nobody does this right these guys come and say, well, you need to obey all these rules. He says, they can't even do it themselves. It, it was virtually impossible to follow all these things. It was so religious, so nitpicky, so oppressive. Not even those who uh, do it really obey it. Yet they want you to become circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. You know, yeah, now they're, they're proper people now. Paul says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was his identification. I never want to celebrate and boast about religion. I want to just celebrate the fact that I am identified with Jesus Christ. Which he goes on, he says, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Here's a guy who understood his life, everything about him is identified with Christ. I've been crucified to the cross with him. So was his thinking. The world has been crucified, uh, or all of this. I'm crucified to to the cross. This is my identification. Here's a guy who knew what it meant to die to himself so that the life of Christ could live inside of him. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. He's referring to being born again. There's this great scripture in, uh, look at this real quick, second... 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul's writing here, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Hallelujah. That's the fantastic, that's the good news of the gospel. Is that anyone who comes to Christ and you've been born again and and you've let the life of Christ come into you, you're a new creation. Things are new for you. Your old, your past is done away with. All things have become new. Aren't you glad for that? Hallelujah. Um, so he says all of the stuff, you know, this religious outward signs and all these rules, doesn't mean anything. What counts is being a true new creation on the inside. And then he says, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God, even to the Jews themselves. If they will just follow this rule. Peace and mercy comes to them. It's about Jesus. All of this is about life in Christ. And then finally he says, don't give me any more grief. It's really what he says. Let no one cause me trouble. I'm tired of this. Quit. You know, I'm, I'm mad. I've just yelled at you. I've insulted you in some of the most horrible ways. And I'm just, don't go there. Don't give me any more grief. Don't let anyone cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. What is he talking about? He says, man, I live this stuff. I have been persecuted. I have been beaten. I have been whipped. I have been, you know, I live this thing. I am so identified with Christ. Don't give me any more grief. And then he says, the grace, the unmerited favor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit, brothers. 
Amen. And then he ends it. So there you have the book of Galatians. Let me encourage you to go back and uh, uh, in your own uh, private study time, just read through it now and, and see how much easier it is to read after going through the study. Things will make a lot more sense to you. Just read right through it and you just see, oh yeah, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you certainly get the picture of what he's talking about uh, in here. So now, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to start next with the book of Philippians. Uh, letter of Paul to the Philippians. We'll start that uh, next next Wednesday. It's a, it's a fairly short uh, letter. Actually, there's a few short ones here. Uh, we might do one or two of these short ones, and then we'll jump into one of the big Yo Mama ones and uh, see how that, we've been kind of doing some of the easy ones. There's some, there's some a lot longer ones back here. Uh, First, Second Corinthians, pretty long. The Book of Acts. The Book of Acts is a riot. You guys ever do the Book of Acts? One verse at a time. That's a, that's a scream to, to really look at early Christianity. We might take a look at that too. But anyway, we got lots to look at here. But uh, so that's what we will look at next. And continue to grow. Some wonderful truths in the book of, uh, of book, book of Philippians. Wonderful, uh, fantastic things here. Now, one of, one of the most famous verses is Paul. He's, he's challenging people to uh, to rise to everything God's called them to be. But in chapter three, verse you know, to pull this up. In chapter three, verse twelve, he says, "Not that I've already obtained or been made perfect, but he says." I do press on and take take hold of that which Christ has took hold of me. You know, he says, I, even I don't get this perfectly, he says. But man, I am pressing on. Because what God has done in my life has been pressed on me. What's taken hold of in me. I've grabbed hold of it and, and I'm running with this. And of course, the big question is, what's got a hold of you? You know. Does this have a hold of you? Have, have, you know that we would start having the kind of passion that these guys had. I'm telling you, if we will start doing what these guys are talking about and living like this, Paul said, "Live this like I live it. Do what I do. Live like I live." And and boy, if, if the wonderful thing about the Bible is that we can look in the New Testament and start letting the Spirit of God take some of that passion and that energy and and and, and, and wisdom and put it inside of us, so it empowers empowers us to live successful Christian living. So anyway, we're going to have our ushers come and we're going to end with our offering tonight.